The Art Detective by Peter Woolrich. Art forgers make millions conning art lovers with faked paintings, but one art detective is on their case. As art forger Wolfgang Beltracchi and his wife Helene drank champagne on a Caribbean island, they had no idea that a forensic art investigator was honing the skills that would put them in prison. Investigator Nicholas Eastoff wasn't on their tails yet, but he soon would be. Unaware that time was running out, the Beltrackis continued flitting between their European homes and lazing on their yacht, ill-gotten gains from what would prove to be the biggest art forgery case of the 21st century. Their luxury lifestyle was afforded by Wolfgang's ability to reproduce classic paintings worth more than US $40 million. The Beltrackis, whose gang include Helene's sister Jeanette Spurzum and friend Otto Schult-Kellinghaus, pulled off an elaborate scam that duped auction houses, museums and private collectors alike for more than 20 years. It's believed that Wolfgang, now a well-preserved 71-year-old with shoulder-length grey hair, began his criminal career in the 1980s. It wasn't until he married Helene in 1993 that the operation became truly sophisticated, by which time physicist conservator and art historian Nicholas Eastoff was emerging as a leading art detective. While the gang scoured provincial French auctions for appropriately aged canvases Wolfgang could use, Eastoff was busy using his expertise to expose other less ambitious fraudsters. Wolfgang took just a few days to copy an old master or Picasso, but found the biggest money to be made was in imitating 20th century modernists. One of his greatest successes was called The Forest No. 2, purportedly by Max Ernst, which was wrongly authenticated by a renowned art historian at the Beltracchi's villa in the south of France. It sold for US $2.3 million and in 2006 was loaned to the Max Ernst Museum in Germany. Firmly believed to be genuine, a French publishing tycoon then purchased it for US $7 million. Rather than copy existing paintings, Wolfgang's modus operandi was to create supposedly unseen or lost works by relatively unknown artists. He scraped the top layers off a suitably dated painting, retaining the ground used to coat the canvas, and got his brushes out. You have to respect the hard work he put in, says Eastoff. Although he's not a scientist, in his own way Beltracchi was innovative and experimental. He built a special oven and cooked his paintings until he got the cracking in the paint surface that comes with age. To further convince buyers, the Beltrackis concocted an elaborate backstory that Helene had inherited the artworks from her grandparents, who they claimed were interwar year collectors. When questions started to be asked, Wolfgang mocked up sepia photographs with Helene dressed in period clothes pretending to be her grandmother. In the background hung Wolfgang's reproductions, which she claimed proved the picture's provenance. They said the grandparents did business with the renowned German-Jewish collector Alfred Fleshtime. It worked because, like all successful cons, the art world wanted it to be true. It also helped that Fleshtime's life had been cut short when he had fled the Nazis in 1933, only to catch his leg on a nail and die of blood poisoning upon reaching London. What the gang didn't know, however, was that as their operation became ever more sophisticated, so too did Eastoff's ability to catch them. His knowledge of historical art techniques was now second to none, bolstered by scientific advances, and he had set up his own business, art analysis and research. Eastoff's laboratories 
are as technologically equipped as the National Gallery in London, and he has an impressive roster of worldwide clients who want their prospective art purchases verified. We can test with ultraviolet fluorescence, chemical analysis, and ultra-high-resolution digital imaging, he explains. We're able to take such an extremely small sample using very fine eye surgery scalpels that you shouldn't be able to see where we've been. Beltracchi tried to stay ahead by keeping himself informed about scientific advances and submitting samples of the paints he was using for chemical analysis. If a test report highlighted any materials that could have only been available after the work was supposed to have been produced, Beltracchi removed it from his palette, said Eastoff. But the art detective didn't rely solely on science. His speciality was pigmentation, and he's amassed 3,000 vials of brightly coloured powders from nearly every chapter of art history. Whites and yellows from Pompeii, blues from ancient China, and Japanese glass pigments, which he keeps in an office drawer. Each helps him understand how artists worked in nearly every historical period, and consequently how to spot a modern fake. Red pigment, for example, used to be so expensive that painters boiled cast-off garments to extract the dye, and bits of fibre can still be found in their work today. According to Professor Martin Kemp, an emeritus professor at Oxford University and leading expert on Leonardo da Vinci, art forgery is a huge issue. It's a cat-and-mouse game that the forgers are finding more difficult to stay ahead of, but they'll always find a way into the latest art market hotspot. The Russian art scene, for example, is a bit like the Wild West at the moment. The beginning of the end for the Beltrackies came when Wolfgang copied a painting by German expressionist Heinrich Kampendonck, who died in 1957. His fake red picture with horses sold for a record US $3.6 million in 2006, but issues were soon raised about its supporting documentation. In 2007, it was sent to a German art institute for analysis, which failed to reach a conclusion about its authenticity. Eastoff was itching to get his hands on the alleged Kampendonk, and in 2008, it arrived at his offices near Tower Bridge, London. Analytical tools at his disposal included X-rays, electron microscopes and ultraviolet lights, but it was his extensive knowledge of pigmentation that brought the Beltrackies down. Using an electron magnoscope, he discovered that the master forger had made a rookie error by using two historically inappropriate colours, the most damning of which was a titanium dioxide white, a pigment which wasn't widely available in 1914 when the painting was dated. White titanium wasn't introduced until after 1916, says Eastoff. The difference was only two years, but there was no getting away from it. I knew I had him. Beltracchi's scheme began to unravel, and the couple was arrested by armed German police in August 2010 and went to court the following year. The case was cut short after nine days of the expected two-month-long trial when German prosecutors made a plea bargain deal with the gang. Wolfgang admitted 14 forgeries worth US $40 million and was jailed for six years. His wife Helene, 53, got four years, her 54-year-old sister, a 21-month suspended sentence, and Schult Kellinghaus, 67, five years. They were also ordered to pay millions of dollars in compensation. Eastoff, who has since analysed eight more Beltrackies and grown to recognise his style, remains on the lookout for more of the fraudsters' paintings, which are undoubtedly still hanging in art galleries and museums around the world. We're joined at the hip now, Eastoff says with a smile. 
Since his release from prison in 2015, Beltraki has staged many solo exhibitions and is regarded as a fine artist in his own right. Now his own signature appears on his work. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Readers Digest Australia. Narration by Zoe Mernier. Sound production by Ricky Price.